Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Soapy will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. And we are on the air. Thank you for joining us tonight, all of our dear, wonderful friends out across South Texas. We are so glad that you join us for the Bible Live. We got a very special guest. He's pointing his finger and he's saying, tell him about me, Grandpa. Tell him about me. <laughs> My grandson, William, is with us this evening. Of course, John's here, as always. <laughs> Going to take your phone calls when you call us and to be a part of the program. You can do that anytime in the next 90 minutes. We're going to be talking about all things biblical. Actually, it's a very special Sunday. I'll tell you about that in just a moment. But uh, we're going to be taking your phone calls. Your phone number is 210 210- Three four zero ninety five eighty five two ten three four zero nine five eight five. I'll give you that number. Remind me, Stacy, to give that number. <laughs> Sometimes we get to going and I forget to give it, but I want you to know how you can join us. We'd love to hear from you, particularly this evening. We are well. We're finishing up another year of reading through the Bible and of commenting and and studying through the entire Bible, every verse, every chapter, every book of the Bible, every year. Uh, This time last year, we started with Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And tonight, this past week, we read the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, and we read the last book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation. So uh, tonight we're going to be talking about those two books, kind of commenting and reviewing what they're about, and we'd love to have you join with us as we every year make our way through the entire Bible. And we've just finished up reading uh, Daniel, Ezekiel, um, Amos, Obadiah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zechariah, Zephaniah, Haggai, all of these books. I'm trying to remember all these names uh, there toward the end of the Bible. Uh, the last books of the of the Old Testament are Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. And I've already said many times that these uh, were the prophets that wrote uh, and preached to Israel after they had returned from their 70 years of exile in Babylon. Many, many thousands returned, and they were there trying to rebuild the temple, rebuild the walls around Jerusalem under Zerubbabel, Nehemiah, Ezra, uh, these different leaders that were guiding them and encouraging them, those who returned to Israel after being out of their country. Now, most of them were probably born out of the country, um, most of those who had been taken into exile had probably died in Babylon. And now you have their children and grandchildren coming back uh, to uh, once again take their place in Jerusalem, in Israel. And so Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi are the three prophets 
that that we have in the Old Testament that preached to them in the last of those uh, post-exilic or post-exile prophets was Malachi. And Malachi himself was essentially a warning Judah to remain faithful, particularly he spoke to the priests and told them how important it was for them to to be faithful to God, to love God, worship God, to obey God, uh, and warning them of the dangers of uh, ignoring the laws of God uh, to them as a people, to keep worshiping God. So uh, Malachi has that purpose, and he also then points the people to the future and says, uh, now I'm, I'm pointing you to a messenger. A messenger is going to come. And Malachi means messenger. Malachi chapter 3. Look, I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's army. So Malachi points him faithfully to the future and, and um, to the coming of the next prophet, as we would see after 400 years of what is not silence, they call it 400 years of silence, but, you know, God is not silent. He's speaking every day in every way all around the planet to people everywhere, revealing himself, drawing people to himself. But in terms of the redemptive plan of God that we've been following all through the Old Testament, Malachi says that the, the, the messenger is coming who will prepare the way for that Messiah, that Savior, that Redeemer. And 400 years later, John the Baptist is uh, born and raises up his um, time of ministry, and he becomes that that messenger who comes now. Uh, in, uh, like the uh, prophet Isaiah, he's coming to announce to you know, tear down the mountains, raise up the valleys. We're going to prepare the way for the kingdom of God. The, the Messiah is coming. And so that's what we see happen when we get into the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So the book of Malachi is all about that uh, warning to the people to remain faithful, to keep being faithful to God, obey God, follow God, experience God's blessing, and God will use them and uh, that they should be ready for to uh, to receive the Messiah. Now he talks about. Go ahead, honey. Well, I was, I mean, so in terms of the context, of that they have returned from exile at this mm-hmm. point, and then have, is it about a? They've been out of exile now for about a hundred years. Is that right? When Malachi writes, Malachi <laughs> is that the the setting kind of? Yes, he writes in fourth. 425 to 430 okay. and BC, before Christ. And the temple will have Christ. already been rebuilt. Mm-hmm. The temple has been rebuilt. The wall around Jerusalem has been built. You know, Nehemiah, um, mm-hmm. uh, Nehemiah was the leader in that particular uh, task. And now the people are there restored. And he's telling them to keep looking for the Messiah. The, 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 you know, in other mm-hmm. words, the plan isn't finished. Interesting. Look, if you look in the book of Genesis, uh, you see the first eleven chapters of Genesis. We did this a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We, we kind of reviewed the big picture, but let me just jump back there quickly. Chapters one through eleven, God is dealing with the entire human race, 
Adam and Eve, and then Cain and Abel, and Cain kills Abel, then they receive another child named Seth. And then you, you go on through the centuries there, through these generations where the human race splits into two groups, those that love God, desire God, want to worship God, want to know about God and follow him, and those that do not. And so you begin this, this chapters 1 through 11, you see that process begun, and, and this process goes on today even. Mm-hmm. Around planet Earth, um, men and women are deciding, making that decision, am I going to love God, honor God, worship God, and, and obey God? Uh, and you cannot separate God from goodness. God calls us to be good, to be pure, to be holy, to be righteous, to treat each other well, and to be fair and honest and so on. And so those who choose God are choosing choosing goodness. We want it, isn't it? We're perfect because we certainly are not. And that's what the redemptive plan was all about. Even when we make mistakes, that God will forgive us because he has made a provision for our mistakes. But we never want our mistakes. We don't want to sin against God. We want to obey him. Uh, even when we do mess up, we, we are quick if as God's people, to acknowledge our sin, to come and ask forgiveness, and trust him to give us power to live right. Well, we see that that starts off. Chapters 1 through 11, God is dealing with the whole world. But then all of a sudden, he narrows down in chapter 12, uh, chapter uh, 12 of Genesis, and he begins to talk about this man named Abraham, Abram, as we know him first. And so... um, He calls Abram, and now he's going to begin to work out this redemptive plan. He's going to bring into the world. He already promised uh, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he says, I will send a redeemer through a woman. Through a woman. It's not going to be an extraterrestrial. It's not going to be an animal. It's not going to be an angel. It's going to be a human being, one of a woman, and he is going to come, and he's going to set things right. He's going to be a redeemer, a savior. And so in chapter 12, we start tracing how God does that. The Lord had uh, called, this is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran was the father of Lot, and so on. And one day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter, and and he, God calls Abram to leave his home and family and to follow after, uh, go to a land, a native, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you, and I'm going to make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to all others. It will, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. So he says, I'm going to bring the redemptive plan a new people, the people of God, are going to come through your lineage and your witness. I'm going to use you and your your uh, descendants. And we're not necessarily talking about uh, genetic descendants here. That's a part of the plan. But all, most importantly, spiritually, those who follow continue to follow after God. So Abraham left. Now, and then we go all of those books of the Old Testament talking about what happens. Abraham and then his son Isaac and then there's uh, Esau, but Esau doesn't love God and doesn't value the things of God. And, and um, then it's it's his brother Jacob who who honors God and wants God and wants that covenant with God. To, so Jacob becomes the son of promise. Uh, and then Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Then there's Joseph, remember the 12 
uh, tribes of Israel. Joseph goes down to Egypt. God brings him out with Moses. They come out of there, out, out of Egypt. They in the in the wilderness for forty years. They go to Mount Sinai. They're given the Ten Commandments of God, and then they go forty years in the wilderness, and then. Jo- uh, Joshua takes them into the promised land that God had promised to Abraham hundreds of years later, uh, before, I'm sorry. And then you have the time of the kings. We went through all of this, the times of the kings, uh, the kingdom united until 722 B.C. And then uh, the kingdom, um, I'm, I'm sorry, the kingdom united under Saul and David and Solomon. Then it then it uh, divides under Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and then you get, <laughs> I'm running through it real quickly, folks, I'm sorry. But you see the the whole Old Testament, and, and then uh, the kingdom divides, the, the, the northern kingdom is taken into exile by Assyria and destroyed in 722. Then in 586 B.C., Judah falls in the south, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon destroy uh, Jerusalem. And then they take 70 years of, of exile, and now we come to the people. They return from exile, and that's where Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi are predicting, are preaching to them. And then you have these 400 years of what they call silence, a relative silence. There's no prophet of God. And then John the Baptist burst on the scene, and in the first gospel of Matthew, John the Baptist appears, and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. The Messiah is coming Prepare the way of the Lord. And so that's when Jesus of Nazareth comes on the scene, and he is that long-awaited Redeemer, Savior, Messiah. Look what Paul says about him in Galatians chapter 4. Paul says, In the perfect time, in just the right moment in human history, uh, just in, in the, the time of uh, of the Roman Empire and so on, he says, In just the right moment, let me read that, Galatians chapter 4, Verse 4, Paul is walking through the process, and he says, Listen, um, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his children, those children are not much, not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. That's why it is with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. Uh, But listen, but when the right time, time came, in just the right moment, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. In other words, part of Israel, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And so that's the idea we've been following all through the Old Testament. God has been bringing us, even though he's working, redeeming, uh, calling people to himself in the Old Testament as well, uh, to bring to work out his redemptive plan. Uh, the Old Testament is the story of how God moved in history to bring about the Redeemer, the Savior, to carry out the work of redemption by which anyone who ever going to be in heaven any time, God is calling out a people that are going to be with him forever in glory in heaven. Uh, and any of us that get there, we're going to get there because of the finished work of this Messiah, Jesus. And that's where we come to with the book of Malachi. We end up the Old Testament and head into these 400 years. Malachi says, now the next thing on the scene, he says, you're going to hear a messenger. He's going to prepare the way of the Lord. 
even as he preaches, to stay faithful, to remain faithful to God. So I don't know anything else I want to add about Malachi, Stacy. What do you think? Should we jump over now to the book of Revelation or well, thought? I guess I wanted to, I thought it was, uh, so with Malachi, it didn't seem as if, and correct me if I'm, I'm off, but there wasn't a major um, turning in an evil kind of obvious wickedness. It seemed to be more of an apathy, but Malachi doesn't treat it any less um, worrisome or any less, um, less evil in a way. Um, is, would you say that they, they forgot? In other words, they they forgot yeah. their their first love, which I guess we'll we'll look at in Revelation. But it seemed like they needed a real reminder of who God is in their life, His faithfulness, and how much they're loved by Him. Yeah, isn't it interesting that even after seventy years of exile, all the suffering they endured, and all the great sacrifice to come back and to worship God and to rebuild the temple and to begin life anew. Uh, you know, that first generation, they, several times we saw dramatic mm-hmm. expressions of, com- of commitment, of repentance toward God. Mm-hmm. They wept. They stood out in the rain and mm-hmm. cried because of their zeal for the Lord. And they were very sensitive to sin when, when the prophets uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, when it was pointed out to them. But now, just like human nature, they had turned to a kind of a half-hearted, spiritual, lackadaisical attitude uh, toward God. Do you think there was a complacency? Was it a, I mean, it must have been a yeah, very interesting sure to, it was. To, to have lived so much of their life um, and their relationship with the Lord in exile, mm-hmm. and then to be able to be free, I mean, to free of that, of another ruler, and to have their own land mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and their own temple their freedom to they rebuilt the temple the walls around Jerusalem imagine uh-huh. that was pretty um, I bet that was very powerful um, for that first generation and yeah. it does seem like there's just a they forget um, they forgot I but guess. then they fell mm-hmm. back into those you know um, maybe a little bit of peace and prosperity uh, right. and kind of instead of having to be threatened mm-hmm. you know no great uh now the Roman Empire rose up during those four hundred years. Yes. The Ro- Roman Empire and that raised would have up. Been Alexander and took the Great. That this, would have been Alexander the Great into that. This is yes. the story of Mark Antony, Cleopatra. That happens in these mm-hmm, four hundred mm-hmm, years. In those four hundred years, yeah. all of that. But they are there. Uh, and, and what the basic message that Malachi has is: Give God your best. They had already begun to. Uh, one of the things that's referenced in the book of Malachi is that instead of giving the God the best of their flock, right. you know, they were to sacrifice a lamb without blemish, mm-hmm. without spot. Uh, the offering that they gave to the Lord, uh, they were giving God blind, crippled, diseased animals from their flocks instead of giving him their very best. Right. And so Malachi uh, talks to them and preaches to them about giving God your best and, and not to be a stumbling block. Don't He talks to the leaders in particular that they should be careful about the way they lead people so that because they're going to be held accountable for the way they lead people. And that's a good message. All of these are good messages for us as well. Mm-hmm. Give God our very best in our life. Don't just kind of give him the leftovers of our, mm-hmm. but he is our highest. And then and don't be careful about our influence uh, with our children, our grandchildren, our ha- homes and families, and uh, mm-hmm. particularly our, our leaders in the cultural uh, 
you know, society leaders, you know, athletes and rich people and, and politicians and priests and pastors, whatever, business owners, you know. We all have leadership and influence at some level over someone that's looking at us. And in our relationships, we should be careful about our influence and the example we set. So that's another thing. And then um, then he, he tells them to let God prove himself. Be faithful in your offerings and investing in God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, that show, Let God show you that he'll be faithful to you when you... Uh, when you support your pastor and your local church and the ministry of the church and you help the the weak and the hungry and so and clothe those who have no clothing and help people who uh, you know drug addictions and all kinds of things when we invest and help people mm-hmm. then we have a chance to see God be faithful all of those are part of the message uh, of Malachi four short chapters but he uh, he does all of that and continues to call us to an attitude of humility and brokenness before the Lord. Uh, and and then there's these 400 years of silence until John the Baptist comes along and announces the coming of the kingdom of God and the Messiah. Now, in the New Testament, we move through the year Jesus was born till uh, his death and resurrection. Uh, we have about a period, and that's what partially we're going to look at in the book of the Revelation, is that, one of the things, a little bit up in the air about the book of Revelation, and we'll talk more about it as we get into it here in the next hour. Uh, and by the way, we always end the book, the book of Revelation is always read at this time of the year, just as we come into the Halloween. You know, we're talking about witches and goblins and all, but that's all, that's that's not all, that's that's not the truth about the spiritual world. The The Bible tells us about God and about angels and about human beings and about uh, this world that we live in what and what we're to do, how we're to live. Uh, and, and it's real, uh, the real spiritual world that it points out to us. But in the book of Revelation, now Messiah has come. He has carried out his work. And uh, Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was resurrected from the dead. And now the church has begun. The, the, the people of God exploded the, the the people of God have exploded out of Jerusalem and Israel, where, which has been basically the kind of where the witness of God has been headquartered for all these centuries. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that there weren't people in other countries and nations that even it, 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 if we look in Acts chapter 2 on Pentecost, there were people there from many other nations there in Jerusalem. Why? Because they were there to celebrate Passover. But that was just also a witness to the fact that the Jews had been faithful at some level they had been telling others about the true and living God, the, not an idol, not a made-up God. Right. At that but point, how many different uh, nation and people groups had they been in captivity? Had they been captive of? <laughs> oh wow, that's, that, that's right. They. It, it's been an incredible adventure. If you read right. the book of the Old Testament, how God was so faithful to them and constant to the, to get them. It wasn't. It wasn't by their own effort. God himself was divinely working in and through and around them and with them to to bring them. Yeah, and all along, I mean, you know, it started as Abraham and then then they multiplied and it grew the the number of, Mm -hmm. but I mean... And and then and then they pick up Rahab and they pick up yeah yeah uh, who else? Ruth the Moabites and, right. and yeah and so then, many others and then the whole ten the northern tribe I mean they kind of but 
you can't help but believe that there were some that were sure. still faithful mm -hmm. and they dispersed and they yeah. mur you know and so when you really by the time it, it it comes to it god's people at this point have been everywhere have been influenced That's have right. influenced in turn and yes. are are now in the and then, and then Jesus comes. Just, Just like right. us today. Today yes. we are, you know, yes. we are Israel today. We are right. the God's people, all over the planet yeah. Earth. And we are witnessing me, and sharing. I, yeah, and I love that term, the remnant. Mm -hmm. I love that. There's always a There's remnant. There's always a remnant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, always a group that hangs in there. It's faithful, mm -hmm. and, and and that is what we're we'll see in the book of the Revelation now. This is a summary. When we get to it, we, I don't think I want to get too deeply right now. We'll come back and get into the book of the Revelation. But essentially, uh, it is thought that the, the Revelation was written either sometime before the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. Mm -hmm. by, uh, by Rome, or it was later on in 90 or 95. And I, I hear both, and I, I'm sensitive to both. I'm not sure which. I kind of lean toward the earlier date, personally. There's no reference to uh, the the destruction of the temple in the book of Revelation and something so powerful and so meaningful would would certainly be mentioned by John the apostle here uh, he talks about the temple but he doesn't as if it's still there mm -hmm. uh, and we'll look at that in a minute but so I take the earlier date but some people say as, as late as 90 to 95 uh, AD is when the book of Revelation was written. And it's one of the most fascinating books of the Bible. Many people look at it as, wow, tell us how, how everything's going to work out and what's going to happen. But we'll come back and talk about it here on The Bible Live. The phone number is 210-340-9585. Don't go away. There's a ghost. There's a ghost inside of me. <laughs> The Holy Ghost inside <laughs> yeah. of me. That's exactly That's so beautiful. All right, we are back. Mercy. This is the Bible Live. And that was Mercy Me. And that was Mercy Me singing so about good. the Holy Ghost. Remember we talked, yeah. we said, you know, the, there's ghosts and goblins and all that yeah. idea. Well, I love that. Did you see, you saw the Mercy Me film, right? Is it called? Was it called Mercy Me? That was the title of, I can't remember. Is it Mercy Me? It's so good. If anybody out there hasn't watched it, you should okay. watch it. It's very good. It's not the one about... Um, His father? The father? Oh, sure. It, no, the, it was... Um you know the name of it uh, is his oh, song. Right. It, was, it was I can only imagine. Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't the Mercy Me movie. <laughs> I get it. Okay, I can. Oh yeah, yeah I saw that. I love that. We used that in some of our lessons uh -huh. uh, out at that Lackland, yeah. as you know. Well, Stacy, my daughter is here at my side, and our grandson, my grandson, her son Will, is here in the studio, and we are looking at uh, the books of Malachi, which we've just discussed. At some length, and now we're going to the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, the last book of the New Testament, and uh, what we know about it. What do we know about this book? It's thought to be written by uh, the disciple of Jesus, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John uh, the Beloved, John the, Beloved um, the Apostle John, and he's older now. He was considered to be the younger, perhaps the youngest of the uh, twelve disciples of Jesus. And uh, now he's old, 
Uh, numbers of, of the believers have gone on. They've been suffered martyrdom in different ways. But now uh, John is here. If you want to give us a call, uh, any comment about the book of Revelation and about uh, it, it does talk about the future without any doubt. He's he's t- talking to the people of that era uh, of, of the first century. He's talking to them about the things that happened to them, the things that they were seeing and experiencing. But also he's kind of giving a a general overview of the of what God is at work in human history. You have these cycles of of judgment of God judging sin and and uh, and calling men and women back to Himself. We see these uh, what seven seals, and then there's seven uh, trumpets, and then there you know by the seven angels, and then there's seven. Uh, bowls of judgment these are these are cycles of judgment that are going to characterize the coming ages uh, and, and have that have that they had seen already in the hebrew scriptures these cycles of of judgment and so so john is going to be talking about those he's going to use a lot of language uh, called apocalyptic language it's a language of uh of visions it's a language of poetry and it has to do with with images, and it has to do with certain words um, that are used that characterize the the working of of God, and they're not they're not literal. A lot of the numbers are not literal. Uh, anytime you see perfect numbers like uh, a thousand years, his reign, or the, the number were uh, the number seven, uh, the seven angels, seven bowls. Uh, and then you have the 144,000. A lot of these numbers that they, you have to, some ways, go back to the Hebrew scriptures and find out, you know, what is being communicated because he is speaking in that apocalyptic, uh, uh, um, sort of symbolic language of the prophets and, and of the Hebrew scriptures. And so um, that's one thing we need to look for. By the way, give me a call if you'd like 210 340 9585. Two ten three four zero nine five eight five. If you'd like to talk uh, any at all and express yourself about uh, about the Bible, as we're ending up this year's journey through the Scriptures, and uh, now let me tell you, this coming week we'll have a special series, five broadcasts that you can listen at our podcast, thebiblelive.com. Go to thebiblelive.com. There you can look at the readings for this coming week. Will be uh, They will not be Bible readings this week. I'm going to give you five programs about the Bible uh, that tell us a little bit about uh, how to read the Bible, what you look for in the Bible. Uh, the, first, the first of our programs this week, if you listen to it, is called, it's going to be about how do we know the Bible is unique, the most unique book ever written. The, most, the highest bestseller and it's been successful in every format, whether it's printed, whether it's uh, recorded, or whether it's in video. Uh, this book has been translated into more languages than any other book in, in history all around the, the earth. And so the, the uniqueness of the Bible, that's Monday night. Uh, Tuesday night we'll talk about how do we know the Bible is reliable, that, it's, that what we have today is accurate, is true. It's what John wrote when we read the book of Revelation. How do we know what we're reading is what John wrote so many uh, centuries ago now. Uh, and obviously, he wrote in, in Greek. It's been gone through. A, uh, it had to be written. It had to be preserved. It's been translated and passed down through these, through these centuries. And so how can we know that it's dependable, reliable, and accurate? 
That's the theme of our Tuesday night uh, uh, program that you can hear at our website, thebiblelive.com. The third one will be, uh, how do we know the Bible is supernatural? How do we know, uh, why do we believe that it's actually the Word of God, that God intervened, that he, it is He who has inspired these books in their, in the authors and has uh, had it accurately recorded and, and saved and preserved over these centuries? Where is the supernatural element in that, and how do we? How can we demonstrate? And why do we believe it to be the very word of God? And then the the fourth day, Thursday, I'm going to talk about some Bible study methods, some different ways you can study the Bible and get the most out of your Bible on Thursday. And then Friday night, we're going to kind of put on our thinking caps, and we're going to say, what would have happened in this world? What would the world be like today if this book had never been written? It has had an incredible influence over all time, through the centuries, through the ages, and even particularly today in our own nation and Western civilization, this book is considered the fountain of of civilization for these last hundreds and thousands of years. So uh, we're going to talk about what if the Bible were never written, what has been its influence uh, in over humanity. And of course, principally, it's because the Bible changes lives and change lives, change the world. And we're going to look a little bit at that this coming week. So those five special programs this coming week will allow us to get back on our good schedule, and we'll start the following week with the book of Genesis, another journey through the Bible. It'll be our 20th year through the Bible uh, coming up in these next couple of weeks. So I hope you'll join us and go through the Bible with us. Go to thebiblelive.com. You can find all those readings Follow the schedule with us, and then on Sunday night, we'll have a chance to comment, ask questions, hear your ideas and thoughts, too, as we read through the very the Bible itself together. Now, you can also find those readings at the website of this radio station, AM630, The Word, AM630, The Word, and you can go there to the podcast, and then go kind of scroll down from the podcast to The Bible Live. And you can find a, our Bible reading podcast. You can find the readings there. And you can also find the podcast of this program, this radio program, where we review and talk about the readings from the previous week. <clears throat> so here we are back around the circle. We've finished reading the book of Malachi this last week. And now we're going to discuss and talk a little bit about the book of Revelation, written by the Apostle John. Uh, probably, in my view, probably prior to 70 A.D. Remember that Jesus was crucified and died, buried, resurrected somewhere around 33 uh, A.D. And so just we're talking about very, very short time. A lot of people talk about the idea that, oh, well, the Bible is just a bunch of myths and legends, and they, they changed the Bible all those years. That, that isn't what happened. Uh, these books of the Bible, these letters that they're written by the Apostle Paul, by the uh, James and by Jude and by Peter, uh, these letters were written early, early on within just just few years, in many cases, after the events that they described, the book of Acts that, that uh, Luke, the historian, wrote. Uh, these books were written and circulated quite early, far too early for there to be legends and myths to grow up. In fact, uh, that's one of the things that Paul and other writers of the New Testament said. You were there, they said. Often they would write 
to their to the people they were writing to or listeners they would say and you saw this with your own eyes you were there so this is um this early on these writings were written uh preserved and circulated uh, and uh, we have them today uh now the book of the revelation uh some say as late as 90 or 95 AD but uh, uh be that as it may, what it is written by the by Apostle John, he is in exile. All of the early uh, disciples um, suffered death by martyrdom. Uh, they suffered greatly. They were persecuted. Many of them suffered a great deal of persecution in their life. And uh, the Apostle John was at one time the uh, pastor, was at one of the pastors in Ephesus, the large church in Ephesus. He was a leader there. And then uh, he was... Uh, arrested and put on a Roman penal colony uh, that was, was set up on the Isle of Patmos, uh, about 80 miles out uh, from, uh, I guess, what we call modern Italy, right, is where Patmos was. And so um, that that's the background. He, he's on the Isle of Patmos. You can look at chapter 1, verse 9, where he mentions that. Um, and John is now an older man. And he's uh, wrote this gospel. He had these visions. He had this understanding. He had walked with Jesus. He had seen the first. He was seeing the first centuries after the coming of Messiah. And he is describing now for us uh, his visions and his uh, revelation of Jesus the Messiah. Um, in, in fact, uh, not just one here there to overcome Rome. And he understood now completely. The, the redemptive plan of God was not to uh, just get the nation of Israel back and overcome Rome and, and so on, but he, he understood then the bigger picture of that uh, God's redemptive plan was to set up the, the spiritual Israel, all of the people of God, and the message of redemption would be spread across the Roman Empire. He had already seen it happen. It was spreading like a wildfire among those uh, this in, largely enslaved uh, population in the Roman Empire, people were everywhere embracing the Messiah, embracing and following after the true and living God, throwing away their idols, t- turning away from their pagan false gods and their, the immorality and wickedness, and embracing uh, the true and living God that, that who had revealed himself by sending his son who lived and died and was resurrected. So that's, that's where we find uh, the book of Revelation now. John starts off in the opening chapters. Maybe you want to add something, Stacy. We've been talking about it all afternoon. Yeah. Give me some. Of, give some of your thoughts as well, well about. I guess some of just my uh, even so with with the classes, even in teaching uh, the Bravo class or even with Alpha, I, I do like to begin with Revelation. She's talking <laughs> about the classes that we teach out at like yes, Air Force yes, Base for the yes. basic well, basic any, trainees, yes. and a lot of times, oftentimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, even with that, you know, even the four spiritual laws or this is the, or keeping the end in mind or, you know, revelation is the, it is the end. And it's just that really sweet reminder that he right. is, this is the road we're on. He has finished the work and we are all, uh, you know, those who love him and those who desire him and. Uh, and want to be with good and God forever and those eternity. Those who choose him. <laughs> those who choose him mm-hmm. will um, will find him, will 
be with him and there will be a new creation and that that's and and there will be no more tears that their old things have passed away he is making all things new he will wipe away all tears there will be no evil there is no will not be able to enter and uh, and i just i think that's just a really mm-hmm. sweet good reminder you know especially oh, after is. this book and you see so much of the it's just like a, it feels like a roller coaster. I mean, just the highs and then the lows and the highs and the lows and the, you know, and, and it reminds me of my own life. I mean, yeah, right. You know, then, yeah. And it's just that sweet reminder that um, it it ends beautifully. That 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 yes. death does not win. That life wins. It's for a reason. Nothing is for naught. It's being counted. It's being written. It will be. Uh, and 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 he is perfect love Mm -hmm. and perfect justice and revelation is the uh, culmination of that Um, so So human human history is not just going to be an endless endless process of these cycles uh, of of coming to God and finding God and then falling back into sin and then judgment and and correction and we just see these cycles of, of, of judgment throughout history and even as the human race has changed Obviously, with technology and so, think of all that's happened in these thousands of years. Even through all of those changes and all those expansions of understanding and knowledge and technology, and and so Daniel talked about there'll be a time when people will travel around the earth and fly in boats, and that and that knowledge will explode. Mm -hmm. He he described the times in which we're living. But even through the whole process, you have these process. God is there. God is there. Mm-hmm. And he always promises that, you know, the, that uh, his people, God is at work. He forgives us. He cleanses us. He's working with us. And that we're going to be with him forever. Mm-hmm. People forever have mm-hmm. wanted to know what happens after we die. Yeah. Even the first writer of the Bible, Job, said, if a man dies, shall he live again? Mm-hmm. You know, he answered. We've all, well, the gospel answered that question for sure and said it, it will. Yeah, you will live again. You'll be with God. And yet, not only in individual cases, someday the whole curtain yeah. will will rise and it will close on human history as we know it. Yeah. And we'll move to a whole different uh, phase of the redemptive plan of God. Right? Right. That's uh, one, right. That's one thing. And then yeah. my other, and, and you told me for years read the great divorce read the great divorce and i finally read it and then i was like oh <laughs> by c.s lewis by uh-huh. c.s lewis and that's kind of my other take you know with revelation and one of the is is that for so long and so good and evil do coexist but there will come a time when there will be that great divorce of those and um i just you know lewis he just he does such a great job of you know, what might that look like? How could that possibly be a just and loving, especially loving scenario? Cause and think and of, real. I mean, and, and, and real, really happen with yes, real people, uh-huh. you know, that we will see right. and experience. And uh, and he, he just he pulled that out so, so beautifully. And so mm. I highly recommend as a right. um, book to read alongside Revelation and um, Lewis's yeah, Divorce. It's, it's a small little book, really, in and reality. It's a very quick, easy read. One of, and, and of course... You know, we we call him Uncle Uncle C.S. Lewis in our family. I mean, he's he's kind of like a grandfather or a father to me, and one of those father figures I've had in life. Um, but our kids have learned to love him as well, and his writing is just 
unparalleled. There are a few others who are great, gifted writers, but Lewis is a great thinker and a, a great writer, and his, his book is called The Great Divorce, and it's about uh, judgment, and it's about that spiritual dimension and heaven and hell and uh, it's imaginary day trip that a person makes from the mm-hmm. from the uh, periphery of hell to the to the periphery of of heaven, and it's just very well written. You'll enjoy it greatly. Uh, the great divorce, but that yeah, it's it's about this theme of that that phase from the world that we live in, with things like it's it's going to go on forever and forever. Uh, but but uh, uh, other parts of the Bible, Jesus Himself as well. But and, and John here in the Book of Revelation make it clear that. It will. There will be a time when it will close. That uh, even when we talk of salvation, remember, oftentimes we've said that salvation in the Bible, uh, the three phases or three aspects and dimensions of our salvation, uh, and, and one is called regeneration. Uh, the first phase we enter when we come to God, we're born again, we begin our walk with God, and then there's sanctification. After we've come into the family of God, then God begins to work with us and teach us. And God, the Holy Spirit is working in our lives to to teach us to walk uh, like redeemed people. In, in regeneration, we are saved from the from the penalty of sin. Mm-hmm. In sanctification, we are being saved. Present tense, day after day, we are being saved from the power of sin over, and its influence over our lives. But then, and as we get into the book of Revelation, we come to this third phase of our salvation called glorification. Mm -hmm. And that's when we will be delivered from the very presence of sin. Mm -hmm. Regeneration, uh, we're we're delivered from the power, the penalty of sin Mm -hmm. through the work, the atoning work of Jesus, the Messiah. It's often called justification as well. Uh, Regeneration, justification, we're made just as if we'd never sinned because of the atoning work of Jesus. And then that's past tense. I have been saved uh, from the penalty of sin. Now every believer is in the process of being saved, present tense every day, from the power of sin. And then someday we will be delivered from the very presence mm. of sin. And that's that great. that's uh, what heaven is all about. Did you come about. up with that on your own? <laughs> no more, huh? Did you come up with that on, oh, all on no, your own? Oh, <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I wish I had. But very few There's things another, have I come up with. Another good one. Write yeah, that yeah. Down. Yeah, I don't know who did, but it's, it, it is a beautiful way to view and understand the work of redemption. Now, in the book of the Revelation, now John starts out the opening chapters. He uh, greets them. Uh, this is a, re- a revelation from or of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that soon must take place. And so. Uh, we see here John begins his letter, and he's writing to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Uh, these are seven real churches. Uh, he, he, uh, they are carried by a messenger. Uh, this is uh, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. These are uh, seven churches of that era. They're the, the strong churches. The witness for Christ is there. And yet he, he start, he's writing to them. So that they'll understand the, the what God is doing uh, in in our world, and so he's, he wants to make it clear to them of what the things that they will they will see uh, in their lives as God continues to work. So, uh, in cha- I'm sorry, chapters one uh, and two, uh, he and three 
and four. There they are. I'm looking at it now. He chapters one through um, three. He's he he addresses these churches. He uh, from from Jesus the Messiah has a vision of the Messiah, the Son of Man, and then he delivers these messages. And and uh, it, it's uh, he he has a message for all of the different churches. Uh, two of the seven churches, I just mentioned them to you, and they're called lampstands because they are uh, places of witness. These are places that God, in the churches, uh, that God is going to give witness of himself through the people, through uh, the the congregations that make up these uh, churches, these lampstands, they're called. And uh, the Ephesus, Smyrna, they're located, these cities, on on uh, the, the Via... Hmm, there's a famous road, historic road that made its way. Uh, the Romans built that road. Uh, the via, um, um, maybe I'll, maybe it'll come to me. It's no. a famous road. Not Via Dolorosa. No, uh, Via Dolorosa. <laughs> no, that was uh, somebody's song. Uh, that was the the road that Jesus walked in yeah. Jerusalem on his way to his um, to his uh, Calvary. Yeah, um, I'll think of it in a moment. But the, the, these were on the. Uh, on that main highway, and Ephesus, Smyrna. Now, two of the seven churches were not rebuked; they they were only commended and they were encouraged uh, for their behavior. Smyrna was one, and believe it or not, uh, interestingly, Smyrna was one of the two churches that was not rebuked. And, and what was the characteristic of Smyrna? Uh, they were poor and persecuted. Mm. Isn't that sweet? I mean, they they were suffering, uh, suffering church, and yet because of their suffering and, and contributing to some degree to their spiritual health, they they were broken and humble before God, and they were they needed God. And Smyrna is commended and encouraged, encouraged for their faith. They were told, "Don't be afraid, continue to be faithful." And why would Trust have, why would have uh, what would have the environment? Why would they have? been so persecuted i guess what was it about christianity and christians that in that world would have invited yeah. or would have well part of it it was a roman uh roman persecution uh, but some of it was also there was a conflict with uh, the jewish one now even jews were persecuted under roman right. uh, influence yeah. and for a while christians were received under the umbrella of Judaism. Right. But then as Judaism was began the, to the separate... versus the paganism? Well, well, as Judaism separated, Christianity came under fire then and because they wouldn't recognize the deity of the of the emperor. Right. See, and so they followed another god, just like Jesus. Right. Uh, and he, you know, the, he wouldn't recognize Caesar as right. uh, the ultimate god. Well, there we go. Our second segment is gone. We'll come back and get on into the book of Revelation. You can join with us. Give us a call if you'd like, 210-340-9585. The Bible Live will be right back.
rest of that song, <laughs> John. <laughs> you that chose too good a song. I know. That was, is that a here. Fernando cover? That's, that is I believe it is. Yeah, you're a Fernando Ortega Fernando song? Ortega. Yeah, our good friend Fernando, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, here we are back. We've got a, one more segment here to get a little deeper into the book of Revelation. We told about the author. We told about the date. We told about the general theme. Uh, now, what it tells us about God in the book of Revelation, uh, you'll hear several emphases about the, the Trinity. Um, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, uh, there's a word from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that each of them addressing. In chapter 14, an angel speaks of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in the closing chapter, we have the theme of the Father, uh, the words of Jesus, and the response by the Spirit. So there's one of the great themes is the triune nature of, the, the relational nature of our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is uh, one God, but three distinct persons locked in a perfect relationship of love, of character, uh, and, and totally and perfectly united, a God of relationship. And that's what he's called us into. We are being called into that, that forever relationship with our God. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 17. Father, you know, bring them too into that love relationship that you and I have shared from eternity past. So we are we we are being brought. The ultimate goal and objective of heaven is that we'll be brought into that oneness, harmonious relationship with our God, that perfect relationship with God and with each other as the people of God. And so, uh, boy, that can only be called glory. <laughs> That's the only word that fits. Glory. Uh, The sovereignty of God is emphasized that he will accomplish his plan uh, throughout human history, ups and downs. We see these we see these uh, cycles of 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 judgment. Uh, We starts out with seven seals in chapter uh, chapter six. We see these seals and no one can open. Who can open in chapter five? Who can open these seals? And no one can open them. But in in John, uh, he cries. In chapter 5, I, I wept because no one was found worthy to open the seals and, and to tell and read. And, re, and then he says, uh, he said, I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, he has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. But it was now standing between the throne, the throne and the four living beings, and among the twenty-four elders, he had seven horns and seven eyes. Now the twenty-four elders are a picture of how many tribes of Israel? Twelve tribes of Israel. How many disciples in the new covenant? Twelve disciples. The twenty-four. In other words, this is the culmination of that. It's not a different plan. It's not a different redemptive plan. It's a culmination of that one redemptive plan that ran through the Old and New Testaments. And he says, you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. You were slaughtered. Your blood was ran- has ransomed for pe- a people for God from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. And so we have that beautiful uh, vision in there in chapter 5. So then, then he opens, the, they begin to open these seals, uh, these, these judgments, these cycles of judgment and God's dealing with humanity. And then uh, the seals leads us to, uh, an, another series of seals, and, the, and those seals are—that's where you get the four horses of, of the uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, uh, in chapter six, mm-hmm. uh, what the there was the, the 
white, white red, horse or red horse, black, uh, black and green, and yeah. the, these plagues and these difficulties uh, that took uh, place uh, over there. Then the, the um, God's people are complete. The, the 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 harvest continues to be central. Uh, had how many were marked with the seal of God? One hundred and forty-four thousand. Another idealized number that the number that will be complete when that last one comes to God and, and come into the family of God, and the, and the time of, of harvest is complete, then uh, the 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 curtain will draw on human history as we know it. But uh, but it will not be done till that last one, the hundred and forty forty thousand being a picture of that perfect, the redeemed. Finally, uh, uh, the the harvest is complete and the redeemed are in, uh, the redeemed nation is complete. Um, let's see here. Anything else, Stacy, that we want to mention? Uh, the twenty four elders are there, um, and then it comes into chapter eight. We come to the the seventh seal, and then that gives rise to seven trumpets, mm-hmm. and these seven angels uh, begin to announce. Uh, you know the 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 first angel. Uh, it says the first angel blew his trumpet and hail and fire mixed with blood were thrown down on the earth. One third of the earth was set on fire. One third of the trees were burned. All the grass was turned. Then the second angel, a great mon- a mountain of fire was thrown into the sea. One third of the water in the sea became flood. So you see these cycles of, of disaster, of trouble uh, uh, on the earth. The third angel, the fourth angel blowing the trumpets. The seventh trump, the fifth trumpet and so on. And the sixth trumpet, the second terror, uh, chapter 10, the angel and the small scroll. Then you come into uh, this idea that the witnesses, the witnesses is the church. The church is, uh, we are we are here giving light, offering hope, offering forgiveness uh, in the world all around planet Earth. And so the two witnesses are there. And it seems like in all these troubles and all of these all of these uh, cycles of difficulty and ups and downs, as you said a while ago, the ups and downs of history mm-hmm. and the turning, you know, the rising and falling of empires and nations and wars and so on, that we see all of those taking place continually. There, the this Trump, this witness of God's faithfulness, God's mm-hmm. people, but there seems to be a time there when that witness will grow very weak, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps even die. The witnesses die, mm-hmm. but they are resurrected. The mm-hmm. witness is revived. Uh, somehow that could be a part of what we may see you know uh, we're not far from that the idea of a witness light going out mm-hmm. and the faithfulness of God's mm-hmm. people it could happen you could see at a time when when the witness is so powerful so uh, the persecution is so much and and the temptations are so much that perhaps the witness of God could grow dim and dim but then God will always bring it back um, then in chapter 12 you have the woman and the dragon. It turns back away from these cycles, and it repeats now the the message of redemption, that the, the, the Satan alive and well and, and and persecuting, and then the woman that the, the comes and has a child. The child defeats the, uh, the beast out of the sea, the beast out of the earth. I'm, I'm going quickly because just <laughs> not having time to read the whole book in these in one hour this evening. So then you have. Um, the come down to these bowls uh, and all the time chapter 14 reminds us it's all about the harvest God is harvesting all through this period that we are living in today mm-hmm. this is a time of harvest men and women are coming to God God is drawing 
And this is a unique time when it's not our job to necessarily separate the wheat from the weeds, mm-hmm. from the tares. You know, remember there's a parable that Jesus said, mm-hmm. and they said he told a parable, and he said the man had a farm, he had wheat, and someone, the enemy came during the night and planted weeds in the wheat, and his helper said, should we, should we go out and pull up the weeds? You know, no, he said you might harm the wheat by pulling up the weeds. Just leave it, let them grow together. Don't worry, in the last time of harvest, God and the angels will separate the weed from the wheats, mm-hmm. and, and that will be when we, So this is the time that we're living in. Good and evil coexist, yeah. as you said earlier, and, and and God is calling out a people from out of this this environment. Mm-hmm. Good and evil coexisting. He's calling out a people for himself that harvest. And, and it does start to become, you know, early on in the kind of, uh, in the early years of the wheat and the weeds, they would seem kind of similar, mm-hmm. in, especially in terms of their fruit, and there wouldn't necessarily feel such a divide and such a loss. But the more mature and the more full-grown that they get, the more that the good, the wheat, bears its fruit. And uh, and the, the weeds um, are reaping the consequences of their choices <laughs> in life. Right. And they have nothing, and it starts to become... More and yet they don't necessarily want to be wheat. They just want the fruit. Right. <laughs> I don't know, but it does start to feel very tense. I would imagine in a. I mean, just thinking of a garden, I would think at full maturity, it starts to. It starts to. Separate. You can feel it. You Tell can the feel difference. It. Yes. You know. Uh huh. So well, perhaps yes. that is very much the time. That and, and, and and if we look at the book of Revelation here. This distinction is most clearly seen in times of trouble and difficulty. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's why uh, the the cities of uh, the two cities that were not uh, corrected were both Smyrna and Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Both of them had experienced poverty, persecution, difficulties, and they were but they they were encouraged to continue being faithful. Mm-hmm. Don't give up. Stay stay in there. Mm-hmm. Hold on. And, and that's the message for those two. Now, the other churches, uh, each of them, uh, Ephesus was warned against losing their first love. Mm-hmm. Wow, who of us uh, haven't gone through dry seasons in our life and have to be reminded, don't lose your first love for the Lord Jesus and for, for God. Uh, now, another city was called the Great Throne of Satan. That was the, the uh, church in Pergamum, the city there. And why was it called the Great Throne of Satan? Well, for one, we know that there were... There were four major pagan temples in the city of Pergamon. The Temple of Zeus, Dionysius, Asclepius, and the Temple to Athena. Athena. These pagan idolatrous religions were headquartered there, and so the temptation was great for them, and they were encouraged to remain faithful. There was another church in the city of Thyatira, and there was a woman there mentioned in the book of Revelation in chapter 2 there. The, he's given the name Jezebel. So we know it can't be good <laughs> as it relates to Ahab and Jezebel in the <laughs> right. Old Testament. That can't be good. Uh, teaching <laughs> yeah. that sexual immorality was not a serious matter. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Where are we headed? Uh, we can see that that is uh, one of the great themes even of our era that we're having to fight against and resist individually uh, temptations and, and so on. Uh, in the Church of Thyatira to 
sexual purity and morality is called upon. And then um, in the, the church in Laodicea, they were criticized uh, and told to be careful and warned because that they would be spit out of the mouth of God because they were neither hot nor cold. They were lukewarm. Which would mean uh, in, in both cases, hot water is medicinal and cold water is, is healing. Both hot and cold heal and have uh, health properties, whereas lukewarm is just mm, <laughs> tepid, does nothing. Lukewarm. So I think that is the idea, and is that it, it, they had n- nothing to offer in terms of healing. has to be a part of it. They were warned against their half-hearted, mm-hmm. uh, cold, they've grown cold in their commitment to Christ. Instead of, you know, just kind of religiosity, go to church, do their youth, go through the motions, but not be sincere about obeying God, trusting God, living. Yes. And then Sardis, uh, he said that, you know, you're, it's heard that you're alive. And I, and when I think of this, oh, that's a great church. They're very alive. Oh, they have great music. They have, maybe they were very entertaining and they had a lot of programs and a lot of, (laughs) you know, but he says, but you were, it said that you're alive, but you're dead. Oh, and and what a what a message! So, so John here wasn't being easy. He was uh, he was telling the truth as God revealed it to him. He was warning and calling on the churches to to be faithful in their commitment to to Christ and to continue to be light and, and salt, mm-hmm. to be an influence. Um, let's see here. Twenty four elders, are all believers from both the old and new covenants. Let's see. Uh, John 5, he weeps because no one is worthy to open the scroll and read it and to to reveal this. Um, I thought it might be really just interesting. Go ahead. So, uh, well, no, no, I, I don't want to take away from wrapping up kind of big, mm-hmm. but while all of this is being written, um, just some of the kind of time, if you think, uh, Nero it was around this time, right? Nero is in 54 AD, became emperor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got that Paul was executed in Rome in around 62 AD. James is executed by the Sadducees is around mm-hmm. the same time, 62 AD. Josephus is in the picture. Uh, these days, so he's the author of mm-hmm. a lot of historical records. Jewish historian. Peter was crucified 64 A.D. Nero sets the fire in Rome and burns the Christians for it in 64 A.D. Uh, just some of the other. Uh, in 68 A.D., Nero commits suicide uh, and is succeeded by Vespasianus. If I uh-huh. am I saying that right? Um, the Qumran at the Dead Sea, the, monas- the Essene monastery, is destroyed by Roman troops in 68 A.D. Mm-hmm. Uh, 70 A.D. Of course, is the destruction, destruction of, of the of temple. The temple. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, just to kind of give some context to, uh, you know, to, mm-hmm. to, to when now this is in the 70 AD. And so this, this is a destruction of the temple that Jesus himself said, you know, every mm-hmm. stone is going to be torn down. Not one will be left on top of the other. He had predicted and said that th- this temple will be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, of course, he was talking about his, he, he's had an example of his own, that he would be destroyed, right. but he would be raised up as well. Uh-huh. Mm, so much, it's good to get it in that context, no doubt about it, uh, of its historical context. Now, uh, you go through the the seals, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls. These are cycles of judgment over the earth during the time of the harvest, during the time uh, uh, that we are living even now. And the comfort, of course, there is that God is guiding 
the process. One of those great lessons that we get from this is the sovereignty of God. All through the process, God is guiding uh, the process, and, and the harvest continues in each in each case. Uh, God continues to draw men and women mm-hmm. to himself. Let me see here, Father, can, uh, as we move on through cap- chapters 5. Chapter 5 is really a powerful, it really is a powerful mm-hmm. uh, chapter. When he, I weep because no one is found worthy to, oh, God is revealing something, and John is so anxious to understand it and, and get it and hear God's word, and, and, and no one's worthy to open it, able to show him, and, and he weeps. Uh, and he said, no, nah, don't weep anymore. Well, the do get the lion of the tribe of yeah, Judah. In terms of the storyline and in mm-hmm. terms of you do get this sense. I mean, we desire there's there's such potential in humanity. Our desire is for we were created for him. <laughs> we were created mm-hmm. for unity. We were created for for the kingdom. We were created mm-hmm. for glory, for relationship. Mm-hmm. And so much we, we, we try and we want it. We're often misguided for so many different reasons. You know, we, we reject it. But I can imagine that, that weeping because it is, a sad, it is a sad thing to see something for which, you know, to, to know its potential, know what it's in, lose its kind of its integrity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lo- you know, a deflated basketball is yeah. sad. <laughs> or yeah. a... You it know, doesn't bounce. You know, those broken yeah. things. And especially humanity, especially. And, and, you know, we just... And so, I don't know. I, I, I can imagine John in, the, in, in that. Can, can, can somebody save us? Yes. And you can see he is... Every legitimate longing from the human heart that... Uh, and you talked to this many times, Stacey. Uh, I remember you, you, with your, you uh, have always had kind of a love relationship with beauty and with poetry and with order and with reason. And, mm-hmm. and every longing that we have as human beings for, for all of these different things that we want, long for, relationship in life and harmony and peace and, and tranquility and, and at the same time excitement and thrill and joy and discovery, all of these things are found, are, are available. They are God is there to fulfill them, to offer us mm-hmm. the great joys and excitement and fulfillment that you know people look for in in, in drugs and they look for in in all different illegitimate sort of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but they are there. They are ours to be found in that relationship with God, which He has opened up the door for us through mm-hmm. through the Messiah. So I think that that our is, hope is in Him, and that probably. I mean, we talk about. Christianity and I mean there was so much persecution and there was you really would think that how in the world did they multiply how in the world did they and I and it 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 (laughs) has to come from that despite all of that yes when you are when you are fulfilled when you have met your maker when you and your maker (laughs) Mm -hmm. when you are reborn and you have that it 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 just that is that joy that Paul, mm-hmm. you know, t- that is how John could have been boiled alive and yeah. st- and survived it, and in Patmos on an island, mm-hmm. uh, still just uh, seeking the Lord and writing these incredible yeah. revelations. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it, it's, but it's no doubt about it. it it's a real choice because yeah. Yeah. the world offers, you know. Uh, very real temptation, yeah. very real substitutes, very real 
And, and uh, each of us have to make that choice about, do I choose God? Mm -hmm. Do I want to know God? Do I long for God? Am I willing to seek Him, enjoy God, and obey Him, trust Him, uh, or, or, you know, or not? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's not just a sort of a intellectual ascent. It's a, it's a, and it's a very serious thing. We have to, we have sac we have to sacrifice. We have to fight against our own sinful nature, mm -hmm. against the influence of of the world on us, and uh, that's it, it is a serious thing to follow after the true and living God. Now let me let me finish quickly about. Uh, gosh, we've gone through so many of these. Um, of these things, uh, the, the bowls, the, the the seals, the trumpets, the bowls. Uh, we've talked about the, um, the redemptive work of the Messiah, chapters 12 through 15. is uh, The story is told of the woman and the dragon and so on. Uh, Babylon comes into this. Remember, I've mentioned several times that Babylon is mentioned here. Uh, the early Christians think of Babylon, the word Babylon came to symbolize all the world systems, the godless world system, reject God and his rule, and, and maybe get other gods. It could be science. It could be, uh, it could be pagan pleasure. It could be all kinds of other things that we look, uh, and that is all uh, put under the name of Babylon. Babylon is destroyed ultimately here in the book of Revelation in chapters uh, 16 through 18. And then there's a wedding feast for the Lamb, uh, the Messiah, the, the the bride is God's people. Uh, it, the wedding feast of the Lamb is described in chapter 19. Uh, the lake of fire, uh, this, the final judgment when Satan, the beast, the false prophet, and uh, com condemned humanity, those who have opted, to, have chosen not to bow to God, not to know God, not to have that relationship with God, they receive uh, what they have requested, what they have wanted was not to live under the rule of God. And uh, that is really the essence yeah. of the idea of, of hell, is to live uh, eternal separation from God and all that could be. Uh, I, the lake of fire, these are, these are all, as best we can tell, they're all images, they're, they're, they're symbols of the suffering that will be there uh, uh, to live eternally separated from God for whom we were created. We were created for relationship with Him. All of those not found in the book of life. And then chapter 22, we see uh, the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. And there we find the tree of life that we lost way back in Genesis. We find it there yeah. in the center of the city yeah. in chapter 22, verse 2. So that brings it back around to the book of Genesis. And we'll get that started <laughs> just two weeks from now, folks. Thanks for being with us here on The Bible Live. Look forward to seeing you next Sunday night back here on the air. God bless. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast.
You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.